If you brought your Bible tonight, go to 2 Peter, the third chapter. If you didn't bring a Bible, the ushers have extra Bibles. Hold up your hand real high, and they'd be glad to let you use one of ours. And everybody go to 2 Peter, the third chapter. Well, we've taken a little extra time in front of the service tonight, but I think it's time well spent. I don't think it's a waste of time. You know, uh, where did the hour and a half or two hour service come from? Or the 15 or 20 or 30 minute sermon? Did it originate in the Bible? Is that how Jesus preached? Is that how Paul preached? Is that how they did it in the beginning days of the church? Now don't get concerned. I'm not planning on going to midnight unless if the Lord were to move, it'd be the greatest thing to happen tonight. Because after all, what are we rushing off to do? What are we rushing off from? And what are we rushing to? The reason I know that because the Lord asked me that one night. <laughs> I was in a service. And it had gone a bit long. And I was sitting there fidgeting. Thank the Lord, this is a long time ago. <laughs> and uh, I looked at my watch for the 30th time, you know. And uh, the Lord spoke to me. I don't mean I heard an audible voice, but the Lord spoke to me. He said, what are you in a hurry to leave? And what are you in a hurry to get to? And I knew he wants an answer. And this, I don't know. I ain't going to cut it. He wants an answer. He said, answer me. I said, well, I would be rushing away from prayer and the word and people talking about you. And, and I'd be rushing home to a sandwich, maybe watch the news. <laughs> he said, would you call that spiritual or carnal? <laughs> I said, yes, sir, that'd be carnal, I'm sure. He said, well, relax. Relax. You know. So I said all that to say to you. (laughs) Relax. (laughs) Look at your neighbor, help him out, say, relax. Relax. What's your rush? Well, I got to drive four hours tonight. Maybe you ought to get a room. <laughs> Maybe you ought to change plans. Really? Be led. Put first things first. Get your priorities right. Hmm? One reason I say it is at the prompting of the Lord, so many people miss so many things. Because they're not just that way in the service. That way, they're that way when they're praying. They're that way when they're reading their Bible. The Lord's trying to get them. Stay with me another ten minutes, and they just won't do it. And they don't know what they missed. They don't know what they missed. So no, let's let's break ourselves of that. And if we are, do, we want the real move of God. Do we want the great things of His Spirit manifest? Well, then we got to get past this clock watching stuff. And in a hurry to be carnal and, and put everything else ahead of the word. And No, said out loud, God's first to me. He's first. The word is first to me. The spirit is first to me. His church. His things. First. Everything else can wait. 
Oh, there's plenty of time to take care of all that stuff. So breathe a sigh of relief. <sighs> Rest in the Lord. Second Peter, did you find it? Second Peter and the third chapter. We've been on a series for some weeks now called Questions About Healing. And um, I don't know about you, but I've enjoyed some of it. The, man, the Lord's helped me. I've enjoyed getting in out. And uh, I believe it's important. And our text has been this third chapter and the 16th verse of Second Peter. He said, as also in all of his epistles, talking about Paul, speaking in them of these things in which are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest or wrestle with, as they do also the other scriptures to their own destruction. The Amplified says, uh, uh, there are some things in those epistles that are difficult to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist and misconstrue to their own utter destruction, just as they distort and misinterpret the rest of the scriptures. So he's telling us that there are people who twist the scriptures because of their ignorance of God and of the word. You remember the Sadducees were uh, grilling Jesus one day about the resurrection. They didn't believe in the resurrection. And they were quoting scripture trying to show him how ridiculous it was to believe in the resurrection. And he started out by saying to them, he said, you do greatly err. You don't know the scriptures and you don't know the power of God. And that's what will get you in error. Ignorance of the word and ignorance of the power of God. And so people who are ignorant and unstable twist scriptures and make them say things that they don't say. And people who are ignorant of the word will sit there and drink it and swallow it and believe it because they don't know enough of the word to know that this couldn't, this interpretation couldn't be right. The Bible said rightly dividing the word of truth. How do you rightly divide the scripture? With other scriptures. Where do you find the answer to scripture questions? In the scripture. And so uh, we need to not just buy into something because somebody quoted a verse or a half of a verse. Uh, so many unscriptural and erroneous doctrines would have been prevented if the person preaching it and teaching it would have just read the chapter before it or the chapter after it. They took it out of context. They twisted it and they made it say something that it didn't say. And the sad thing is that so many millions of people, even good Born-again, church-going people are so woefully ignorant of the Bible that they'll believe all this stuff just because somebody quoted a scripture and quoted a verse. Uh, he went on to say and to caution, saying that, uh, verse 17, You therefore, beloved, seeing you know these things before, beware, lest you also being led away with the error of the wicked, you fall from your own steadfastness. Even people who had been Believing in that area, you get to listening to the wrong people, twist scriptures, you can let them confuse you until you get to question it yourself and get in doubt. And of course, you do that, you're in trouble. You won't be able to receive. 
Verse 18, don't do that, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Don't lose your faith and your stability. Become more strong, more stable, more sure. Grow in grace and in the knowledge of him. So this is true concerning all areas of life, but we've limited our study right now to the area of healing. Having had the privilege of ministering in this area for some years, actually decades now, uh, I have heard certain questions come up again and again and again and again that the misunderstanding of Scripture or ignorance about Scripture has robbed good people of their faith for healing. Uh, Brother F.F. Bosworth said, I believe it's in his book, Christ the Healer, he said, faith begins where the will of God is known. Ephesians says, don't be unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. You can't have faith and you're still questioning God's will. Cannot. You've got to get these questions answered and settled or you cannot have faith. And without faith, you can't please God. You can't receive. How many know you can't be born again? Without faith. Everything comes back to this. So we're taking some of these main questions. We've, we've already dealt with a number of them. The first one was, does God make people sick? And we take numerous scriptures that seem to say, That he does. That he struck this one and he strikes this one and he makes this one sick and he put this disease on that one. And we went through it uh, somewhat thoroughly. And we saw that no, he's not the one that makes you sick. I can't go through all of it tonight or I couldn't get to this. (laughs) But it's available. You can go out in the word supply and get you a CD or a DVD and uh, you can go online and download it for free at no charge. But do you think it's important that you that everybody get this settled? Yes. And quit asking these kind of questions and get it settled forever? Not my opinion or yours or somebody else's. But what God said in his word. The answer to scripture questions in the scriptures. Also we looked at this one. What about Job? What about what happened to him? We looked at that in some detail. Anybody remember some other questions that we talked about? That was the last one. Was there anything in between there and there? Hmm? Yeah. What about suffering for the glory of God? What about suffering for Jesus? There are scriptures that seem to to indicate that. And we went through that in quite a bit of detail. Last time we talked about what about Paul's thorn in the flesh? And what about Paul's infirmity in the flesh? Not the same thing. And so if you don't know about that or you've got questions about that, do not just let that linger in your mind. That will make you unstable. It will keep you from having faith. You remember the Bible talks about in James, he said, uh, if you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that gives to all men liberally and upbraids not. But let him ask in faith nothing wavering. For he that wavers is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. Let not that man think he'll receive anything of the Lord. Uh, what kind of man won't receive anything of the Lord? The wavering man. The what? Will he do it? Will he not do it? Well, you just never know 
what God's going to do. That person is faithless in that area. They might have faith to be born again, faith to go to heaven, but they've got no faith at all to be healed or faith that God would meet their needs. Faith must be developed in every area. Faith comes by hearing the word. Hmm? Is there such a thing as being too sure? Being too confident? Being too encouraged? There is no such thing. Having too much faith doesn't exist. That's like saying you're pleasing God too much. You better back off of it. Oh no. Can't, can't happen. You got too much victory. <laughs> there is no such thing. It's too much victory. Let's look at another question this evening. What about good people being sick? We're dealing with questions um, about healing. There are scriptures in the Bible that tell us about good people who were sick. And people say, well, hey, if they were sick, if their ministers or friends couldn't get them healed, who do you think you are? What makes you think you could be healed? <laughs> you should see the faces all across the crowd. Going, <laughs> people are going, mm-mm. Others are going, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Where are the answers to these kind of questions? Where are they? See, you got millions of people just, they like to stroke their chin and go, that's a mystery, isn't it? That's deep, brother. That's deep. We just went, wow. (laughs) Is something profound about to come out? No, something ignorant's about to come out. Wow. Just never know. We just never know. No, that is not a scripture. It's not a verse. <laughs> Why are good people sick? We talked about Paul. What about Paul's thorn? What about Paul's infirmity in the flesh? And one conclusion we came to, you cannot say from either of those passages that he was sick. There's nothing there to indicate in either one of those situations that he was diseased or sick. So we've already dealt with that. But there are other passages that plainly say that people were sick. One of them is a man, a patriarch, uh, highly regarded by all of us in the Old Testament, the prophet Elisha. Go back with me to 2 Kings and the 13th chapter. I'm going to say, Elisha was sick. The Bible said so. 2 Kings 13. I'm so happy about this. Why? Because we are disarming the devil. <laughs> the Lord is. Disarming. What do you mean? Because this, some of these things have troubled people's minds and mixed them up and twisted them up for years and robbed them of their faith. And I'm believing the Lord to help people, not just in this room, but across the internet and 5, 10, 20 years from now, getting these materials and hearing this and go, that's sorry, devil. I've been believing that all my life. That ain't true. And kick it out and get faith and be healed. Get the doubt out and receive. Get all the hindrances away. And have a miracle in their life. Or for their babies, their kids, their, their friends. Is this worth something? Yes. It is. Second Kings, 
the 13th chapter and the 14th verse. We ought never be afraid of any verse of scripture. (laughs) Don't hide verses. Don't avoid scriptures because you think it messes with your doctrine. (laughs) All the word is good. It's all good. It's just parts you hadn't seen yet. You don't understand yet. It's something how these folk talk about how the Bible contradicts itself. What audacity. What kind of understanding do you think you have? That you are judging the Bible saying it does not agree. Never occurred to them that maybe they didn't know something. The Bible is right. The word is right. And if it looks like it doesn't agree, there's something wrong with your looker. But there's nothing wrong with the book. Well, that just don't seem right to me. There's something wrong with your seamer. Ain't nothing wrong with the book. That just ain't reasonable. Help me out. There's something wrong with your reasoner. But there's nothing wrong with the book. With the word. Second Kings 13 and 14. What does it say? Now Elisha was fallen sick of his sickness. That's plain. Whereof he died. That's even plainer. The man was sick of a sickness. And he died from the sickness he was sick of. Hmm? He did. And so people say, well, there you go. Prophet of God. Had miracles in his life. He couldn't get himself healed. What makes you think you can? It's quiet in here. Now here's something very, very important. Do we ascertain The will of God for ourselves. By what did or did not happen to somebody else. Hmm? Come on now you need to make up your mind on this. Could not you use the same reasoning. And say so and so. They were a nice person. They did some good things. But they died without Jesus. They died without being born again. So that must mean it's not God's will for all to be saved. So you ascertain that it's not God's will for some people to be born again because of what did or did not happen to them. You're going to hear this statement again. We're going to keep going over it, but let me ask you again. Are we to ascertain the will of God about anything in any area based upon what did or did not happen to somebody else? Tell me how are we to ascertain the will of God for ourselves? Only one way. By the Word of God. By the Word of God. Now if you'll get this solid in you, it'll protect you. You say, yeah, but Brother Keith, Elisha, was a man of God. Yeah. Man. A man of God. He's a good man. I believe so. But what do you mean when you say good? 
People say, well, you know, so-and-so is a good man. And he died with cancer. So-and-so is a good woman. She died with diabetes. And they were good people. And if they couldn't get their healing, what makes you think you could get yours? That is human, unenlightened human reasoning. That is ascertaining the will of God for me based on what didn't happen in their life. Isn't it? And that is dangerous ground. That is a way to be robbed of what has already been bought and paid for, for you through Jesus. I'm going to ask you again. Are we to ascertain the will of God for ourselves by what did or did not happen in somebody else's life? Are you sure about this? Huh? How are you to ascertain the will of God for your life? Where are you to get that? Where else? Huh? By looking at who? No. You're supposed to find out here. Don't be unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Listen to uh, the book of Matthew. You can go there, Matthew 19, or they'll put it up on the screen for us. Matthew 19. Behold, one came and said to him, Good master, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? What's he got his mind on? Good. Good master, what good thing can I do that I may have eternal life? How did he think? He's going to get eternal life. By doing good things and being good. Is that right thinking? That is not right thinking. And so the master says to him. Why do you call me good? Because he was emphasizing being good. And doing good. And getting spiritual eternal life. And friend, this is ingrained in mankind's thinking from generations past, a mentality of be good, work good, work hard, and get it. And it is not the way of God. It's not, no, no. It is no blessing of God comes to you and me by works. Right. No, you cannot do enough good things in 12 lifetimes to earn eternal life and be born again. And the same is true about earning your healing or earning being filled with the Spirit or earning your prosperity. Are y'all with me, saints? Is it by works? Or is it by grace? Through faith. Not of works. Lest any man should boast. He said, why callest thou me good? There is none good but one. That is God. Did you hear what Jesus said? There is none good. There is none. We're talking about truly, intrinsically, completely, perfectly good but God. What other men are truly, perfectly, intrinsically good on their own? None. 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 So every man, every woman you have ever heard of and will ever hear of and know about, 
including Elisha, is a man who made mistakes, hmm? who sinned and came short of the glory of God. So when you're talking about, well, so-and-so was a good man. So-and-so was a good, what do you mean good man? What are you trying to say? (laughs) Somebody didn't make any mistakes? That ain't true. Somebody that always did the right thing in every situation? That's not true. You, me, Elisha. So we need to dispel and get rid of this good person. Why weren't they healed? Why aren't good people so-called? When I say good, I've got quotation marks. Why aren't good people healed? The same reasons the not-so-good ones are not healed. Exactly the same reason. <laughs> Y'all with me or not in here tonight? I think you are. Go to Luke 13 and uh, we'll prove it to you from the scripture. Luke 13. This is exciting. Stripping out the junk. Laying our foundation on the rock. Hallelujah. This is not going to change. It will be true for you your whole life and true for your kids and their kids and their kids after them. Make you impervious to the deception and lies of the devil in this area. He can't even mess with you because you won't even hear it. You just say, shut up, shut up. That ain't true. Can't be true because this is true. So you're not moved by it. You're not shaken. You're, well, we read about that. You know, your steadfastness is not shaken, not bothered. You just keep growing and getting stronger. You're stronger in it this year than you were last year. Stronger in it next year than you are this year. Somebody try to come reason with you and talk you out of it. They come to the wrong place, man. I mean, it's like spraying a water hose on a granite mountain. It just ain't going to. Don't face you. Luke 13 and 2. Listen to something Jesus said. He said, do you suppose that these Galileans were sinners above all Galileans because of the things that they suffered? Well, you might want to know what they suffered, huh? Back up to verse 1 then, I guess. There were present at that season some who told Jesus of the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. This would have been on the national news. There were some people that went out to sacrifice, and they were killing the animals and offering the blood, and something happened that Pilate sent soldiers, and he killed, he slaughtered them like the animals they were slaughtering, and shed their blood right there on the spot. Well, everybody knew about it. And there were, uh, um, what did it say, how many people? It didn't say, it said, the next one said how many, on the second situation. But he said, do you suppose, do you think that these Galileans were sinners above all the Galileans because they suffered such things? Why did that happen to these people instead of some other group? Why these Galileans? Now people would surmise and say, well, they must, they must have been some bad folks. And so, well, no, I know some of those. They're good people. Why do good things happen? Bad things happen, rather, to good people. People act like this is such a mystery. 
It's not nearly the mystery people want to make it into being. Jesus answered it right here. He said, do you think, do you suppose that those were worse than all the other Galileans out there because these terrible things happened to them? What did he say? Verse 3, what did he say? I tell you, no. That's not why that happened to them because they were worse than all the other people in the area. Now, friend, can we accept what Jesus said about this or not? This will answer some questions for you that philosophers have debated about for millennia. You can get it settled and quit wrestling with it and quit wrangling with it. Well, isn't that something? Why did that happen to them? Why did that happen to them? He answers the question right here. But you and I are believers. We ought not just first be negative. We're believers. He said, I tell you no, but except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. Verse 4, he gives them another example. They were responding about like you, I think. They were going, ooh. And then they thought maybe it was done. And he says, let me tell you something else. What about those 18 that were just out there minding their own business and the tower fell on them? Killed all 18 of them. Talking about being at the wrong place at the wrong time. He said, do you think? That they were sinners above all men that dwelt in Jerusalem? I tell you, no. No. But except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. People have created these ideas in their mind as to why things happen and what's fair and what's not fair. And they didn't get it from the Bible. Unbelieving people who don't even believe in God have come up with things and written books. And it's, it is so sad that children of God are so gullible, so ignorant of the word. And just because somebody's got a few initials at the end of their name and they write a book with big words and put a nice color hardbound back on it. And people read this stuff and go, well, that's right. Even stuff that people told you, it's fiction. It's a novel. It's a Christian novel. People go out and make doctrines out of it. You'd think we didn't have a book. <laughs> we got a book. We got a book. A book with all the answers. All the answers. The answers to these great life questions that people ponder about. We're reading them right here. Jesus said, he said, do you think this? Do you think that? And he says, No. I tell you, no, that ain't why it happened. And so you and I ought to have it forever settled. Anybody else bring something like that? We ought to look at them and go, no, that's not why it happened. Well, how do you know? I got a book. (laughs) Got the answers. I got a book. (laughs) Come on, tell your neighbor, say, I got a book. I got a book. Got all the answers. Got all the answers. Well, if it's in there, I can't find it. That's exit. You can't find it. But it's in there. Nothing wrong with the book. There's something wrong with the finder. (laughs) 
He said, I tell you, no. It's not because they were the worst people in the whole town. It's because that happened to them. So why did it happen? Keep reading. He spake also this parable. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard. And he came and sought fruit thereon and found none. Then he said to the dresser of the vineyard, Behold, look, these three years I come seeking fruit on this fig tree, and I find none, nothing. Cut it down. Why cumbers it the ground? Now, I want you to stop right here. What, is he talking about trees? He's talking about people, isn't he? And he answered and said, Lord, let it alone this year also till I shall dig about it and dung it. And if it bear fruit, well. And if not, then after that, you shall cut it down. There's a lot of talk about intercession and intercessory prayer. And a lot of it is not right. This is intercession. Right here. Intercession. Why did that happen to those people? Why are those so-called unlucky ones? Unlucky. I don't even like that word. I don't believe in that word. I'm using it because the world talks like this. Man. You know. Those people shouldn't have gone to that service that day. Pilate sent his soldiers and cut all their throats and killed them. Oh, man. They picked the wrong day to go out to the tower site. Tower fell on them. Killed them. People go, wow. Talk about mysteries of the cosmos. What are the odds? Astronomical. I mean, odds of getting hit by lightning, getting killed by this or that are not as great as that. You're just standing out there, boom, the tower falls on you. Hits you, you're dead. You and your 17 friends. Wow. Isn't that amazing? I say, yeah, but you know, karma will get you. They might have done something bad or in a past life. Maybe in four lifetimes removed ago. Who knows? But karma knows. Karma. There is no such thing. I said there is no such thing. Because the so-called gods associated with that don't exist. The figments of men's imagination. There is no such thing as luck. Doesn't exist. It's a figment of man's imagination. There's God. He's real. Get what he's saying. Why do you think that happened? He said, you think they're worse people than anybody else? Because we're talking about why do bad things happen to good people? Why are good people, good quotation mark, sick or broke or defeated or die young or why? No. He said that's the wrong question. He focuses on why the bad things don't happen to certain people. He said unless you repent, same thing could happen to anybody here on any day. It's what happened to the Galileans or what happened to the people at the tower fell on. And then he describes how that a person who is going through life 
absolutely unfruitful, doing no good for the kingdom or man, producing nothing. And the Lord says, season after season, this person's life produces nothing. Why are they using up the air and taking up space on the ground? Hmm? We'll just pull them out like a bad weed. Oh, this is going over big, ain't it? This is... But somebody stepped up and said, would you give them some more time? This is true intercession. Would you spare them another year, another season? Give them another opportunity to repent and get straightened up and start producing something with their life. And then if they don't after that, I understand you know, people, if they don't judge themselves, eventually they'll be judged. But I'm asking for some more time for them. Oh, friends, this ought to be, some say, well, I'm an intercessor prayer. Every one of us should be doing this. This shouldn't be relegated to just a handful of people here and there. You should be praying this kind of prayer for your friends and your family and your co-workers who are being disrespectful of God and don't have the time of day for church and you know if they keep going down the path they're going, they're going to get judged. But you need to know that God, your God, is a merciful, merciful, great and good God. Why do bad things happen to so-called good people? Well, first of all, they may not be nearly as good as you think they are. Ain't nobody that's perfect and hadn't made any mistakes. So why are you talking about all that? But secondly, everybody down here is subject to being snuffed out at any breath. Unless you are kept by the mercy and power of God. So-called good, so-called bad, pretty dumb, educated, makes no difference Accidents are happening all over the planet. Things are happening all over the planet. If you could stand out about where the moon is and see in the spirit from the earth, millions are departing the planet right now. They're out of here. Millions of people are dying all over this planet. Happens every day. Departures. It's kind of like being at the airport. You got arrivals. That's births. Babies being born. And you got departures. And it's happening all the time. And you and I need to realize we are here for a very, very short time. Our life is like a vapor. We're here, then we're gone. We ought not be obsessing over some of these things like the unbelievers do. We ought to know our time is short. And we ought to see to it that we are making a difference. We are bearing some fruit. And that the Lord out of his mercy will keep us and sustain us and protect us until we have run our whole course. Run our race and finished our course. And then we're out of here. Go home to be with him. Which is far better. Than being here. You know. uh, When 9-11 occurred. They flew the. uh, Airliners into the twin towers. And you hear all kind of people speculating. You know. Why did God do this to us? He didn't. Why did God let this happen? He must have had some purpose in it. This is unstable and ignorant people talking. You can tell they don't know him and they don't know the scriptures by the way they talk. 
And, and, and when, I, when I first heard some of these questions, I didn't know some of the things I'm telling you now. I learned some of them through that situation. The Lord said to me, that's the wrong question. Why did God do this? Why did God let this happen? He said, wrong question. The question is, why wasn't the Lord able to protect us like he has been doing every day of every week? Come on, can you see? What a difference in the mentality. And it's not too hard to figure out when you got millions of people in the nation don't even worship him. They worship other gods. And he's been kicked out of the courtrooms. He's been kicked out of the schoolroom. Are you listening? We don't want him. We don't believe in him. And yet when something happens, we want him to protect us. Well, same God you're pushing away is the one you want to protect you. So you got to make up your mind. You want him or you don't want him. And in spite of all the junk in our country and all the sin, how many know since 9-11, how many times has he spared us? How many times have we, we don't even know of the attacks? I mean, it's easy to take it for granted. We go home, we sleep in our beds, we don't hear any machine gun fire, no missiles fall on the town. We get up, we think that's the way it's supposed to be. We should not take it for granted. I said we should not take it for granted. The truth is God has got his hand over us. And when we make it through another day. and another, Because how many know there's enough devils and enough crazy people and enough germs and enough junk in the world to kill every one of us in here a thousand times over every day. And when you made it through another day, you made it through another week. You ought not be asking dumb questions. You ought to be thanking God that he has kept you and sparing you and protecting you. And he's kept our country. He's kept our states and our cities. God's been good to us. He's been merciful to us. He's been kind. And it ain't, it makes me mad to hear these infidels and ignorant folk railing against, well, God is love. Where is he? Mm. Hadn't been for God, there wouldn't have been any U.S. of A. a hundred years ago. Would have been long gone situation after situation can you see that's what he was talking he said you think they're the worst people in town no unless you get right same thing could happen to you tomorrow you're asking the wrong question the question is what can I do so God can keep me and protect me in the midst of this the earth is a very very dangerous place to live did you know this there ain't no place on the planet where it's safe Except the place called the will of God. And that is a perfectly secure place. Hmm. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Why was Elisha sick? Same reason anybody else would be sick. It's not a mystery. Did you get the answer or not? Is that too simple? Why was Elisha sick? Well, the details, we don't know. Don't need to know. That's personal, isn't it? But I want you to notice something very interesting. Go back to 2 Corinthians 13 where you were. You know where it says Elisha was fallen sick? Verse 14. Of his sickness, wherewith he died. That is exactly the same Hebrew word that Isaiah 53, 4 says, Surely he has borne our griefs. 
Same word. It's translated griefs there in the King James, but it really should be sickness. It's the same word. He bore our sicknesses and carried our sorrows or our pains. And Elisha got sick. He died from the sickness. It's interesting. The word for sick here, the Hebrew word literally means to be rubbed or worn. Worn. A lot of people, the reason they get sick is because they first get weak. There's enough stuff in your system right now to kill you dead 10,000 times over, but the strength of your immune system keeps it all at bay. It's already in there. I know it's not a pleasant thought, but it's in there. Enough stuff to kill you and me many times over, but your immune system is keeping it all fought off. God put that in you. Somebody say, thank you, Lord. (laughs) Somebody say, thank you, Lord, for my immune system. Thank you, Lord. But if you get too worn out and get too weak, your immune system gets weak and all that stuff that has been keeping at bay, it begins to let in. And a lot of times before people die and get sick and die, they get weak and then they get sick. The weakness makes them susceptible to, vulnerable to the sickness, the disease. Can you see that? And uh, But I want you to notice, he got sick, he died. But look on down in the 20th verse of that same chapter. Before we go any further, just stop right here. Just because you got sick and died, does that mean you were not a good person? That you didn't love the Lord? That you didn't serve the Lord with excellence? No. It just means for some reason, you didn't receive your healing on that particular thing. It's not a sin to be sick. Just mighty uncomfortable. (laughs) And inconvenient. But nor does it change the fact that it is always the will of God for everybody to be healed every time. Now that's the will of God. You ascertain that from the book. You don't ascertain the will of God for you, whether you're to be healed or not, by looking at somebody else, anybody else, what did or didn't happen to them. So Elisha got sick. He died. And verse 20, they buried him. And the bands of the Moabites invaded the land at the coming end of the year. And it came to pass as they were burying a man, they spied a band of men. They cast the man into the sepulcher or the grave of Elisha. And when the man was let down and touched the bones of Elisha, he revived and stood up on his feet. Now here is an interesting thing. A dead man is raised to life By touching a sick man's bones. I lost somebody. True or not? Did Elisha get sick? And he died from what? From the sickness. So we got in here. Dead man's bones that died because he was sick. And here another dead man who was dead. Touches a dead man's bones who was sick. Dead man raised by touching sick man's bones. Interesting. Huh? Interesting. Why? This brings up something that every minister needs to understand and be aware of. As ministers, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, makes no difference. 
We are especially anointed to teach, preach, and minister the word and healing and whatever the Lord would call us to do. We are not especially anointed to receive it for ourselves or to live it or to do it. See, God called you and gave you a ministry to minister to the sick, to lay hands on the sick and put a powerful anointing on your life. Well, if you get sick yourself, you still have to receive it. Just like somebody that's not a preacher, not a teacher, has no call or anointing in the ministry. Are you with me? If you didn't, God would be playing favorites. Wouldn't he? If you had to stand and believe God and use your faith, and I didn't, I just got, hey, got this special anointing. It's nice. Whew, zappo. Hey, that's it. I ain't got to confess nothing. Just, whew, zappo. Yay. I know you wish you had it, but you, sorry. You, you don't. <laughs> Not true. We are especially anointed to teach and preach this word. We are not especially anointed to live it. That's why people say. Well you know look at them. Preacher. And they preached all that. And then they went and did that stuff. Why did they do that? Same reason you did. Because they're like you. That's their biggest weakness and problem. Is that they are like you. Why did they do that? Exactly the same reason anybody else. Why were they sick? Same reason anybody else is sick. This is not a hard question to answer. Same reasons. Because they're, they're human. But it'll also help you to see. That's why. Even though a man or woman. Might have a problem in their own life. Might not be doing some things right in their own life. And yet could be anointed to teach and preach the word. And somebody believe in that word and anointing. And they come away with a miracle. And the preacher go home sick. Can you see this? Just a fact. Why would they be sick? Same reason anybody would be sick. Or broke. Because they're, they're not especially anointed. No preacher or teacher is especially anointed to live the word more than any other believer. Or to receive their healing or their finances any more than any other believer. God doesn't play favorites. Somebody say praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Uh, go to chapter 2 of Philippians. Philippians chapter 2. Why was Elisha sick? We looked at this. Here's another one. Why was Epaphroditus, Epa who? He's a man in the, in the New Testament. Why was he sick? Because it's a uh, 2010 and we're southern Missouri and Arkansas we'll just call him Epi (laughs) Epi (laughs) I'm sure they'd laugh at our names they would if you're used to hearing Epaphroditus and you hear Bob and Joe you'd laugh at that you think huh that ain't even one syllable that ain't a name His name like Nebuchadnezzar. Now that's a name. <laughs> Epaphroditus. You need a full gospel name, man. Joe, Bob, Sue. 
It depends on what generation you grew up in. But the Bible tells us in Philippians 2 and 25, 2.25, he said, I supposed it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and companion in labor and fellow soldier, but your messenger and he that ministered to my wants. So this man is definitely involved in the ministry, isn't he? You know, ministry of helps is ministry. And keep reading, verse 26. For he longed after you, Epi longed after them, and was full of heaviness, because you heard that he, Epi, had been sick. Hmm? And he didn't go on to say, that's a lie, he never got sick. Verse 27, what did it say? <laughs> Indeed, he was. The boy was sick, man. He, he about died. He was very, very ill. He was near unto death. Now let's just stop right here. I've heard people say, well, now look, this is a man helping Paul in the ministry. And he got sick. And Paul, you know, if healing was for everybody, he wouldn't have got sick working there with Paul. And if the great apostle Paul couldn't heal him, what makes you think you could? Paul never was the healer. Any more than me or any other man or woman ever was or ever will be the healer. And the Bible tells you in this passage how and why Epi was sick. And it's something we need to learn from. Indeed, he was sick. Now skip to verse 28. I sent him, therefore, the more carefully that when you see him again, you may rejoice. You know, we need to be positive and we need to be honest and we need to be gracious and walk in love with each other. If somebody's sick, I don't care who they are. I don't care if it's me. I don't care if it's you. You ought to sit on the side, looking sideways, going, wonder what they did. Wonder how they messed up. Wonder why they don't have enough faith. Wonder this, wonder that. That's ignorant. And besides, you know, you see some people looking at certain situations, wonder why they don't have that yet. Wonder why they don't just rebuke the devil and, and just come up. Well, have you ever done that? Have you ever had that and overcome that and come out of that? Then you need to shut up. Because you're all talk, never done anything. And you're looking at somebody, you know, that's having some issues and they're 70 years old, 80 years old, 90 years old. And they're 22 going, I wonder why they're having to deal with that. You wait till you get there and show us how it's done. Yeah, show us. How many understand you haven't been there, you haven't done it, you need to be quiet. You don't know what you're talking about. Yes, it's the will of God for you to be healthy and strong and live long. That is the perfect will of God for everybody here and everybody everywhere. But not everybody attains to the full perfect will of God for different reasons. And people fall short here and they fall short there. And we should not have to ask anybody why that is. Because it has happened with you. And with me. And so we should just, instead of looking and trying to find, the, you know, fix blame. And look narrowly and wonder why this and why they hadn't that. We ought to do like this. When somebody gets healed, we shout. Yeah. Glory to God. Yeah. Victory. Yeah. Man. 
to God. And if somebody hadn't got it yet, stand with them. Just stand with shoulder to shoulder. What if they didn't get their, their healing? What if they died? There's no better way than to die fighting the good fight of faith. No better way to go. You know, we're not saying that. Let me say it like this. I am saying do not let condemnation be on you and in you because you got some symptoms. Don't you do. You didn't learn that here. We don't preach that here. That's not right. Because you had to go to the doctor. Because you had to use some helps or some surgery or some medicines or something like that. We thank God for our doctors. We thank God for everything. that They're fighting the same thing we are. We're saying sickness is an enemy. Let's fight this thing. Let's don't quit. And let's, let's stand shoulder to shoulder and, and be positive. No, don't let condemnation come in. That's a trick of the enemy. Do you see that? It tells us here, though, that uh, in verse uh, 30, well, verse 29, let me not skip this, verse 29, receive him, therefore, in the Lord with all gladness, and do what? I thought he's been sick. Yeah, but here he's telling, hold him in reputation, in high esteem and regard. Why? He said, because it was for the work of Christ. That he was near unto death, not regarding his life to supply your lack of service toward me. Huh. Young's literal translation says, it was on account of the work of Christ he drew near to death, having hazarded his life, that he might fill up your deficiency of service to me. This is both a commendation and a reprimand. If anybody's going to say anything negative about Epi and what happened to him, he's saying he was out here trying to take care of what you didn't do. Hmm? And if you put the whole thing together, he pushed himself too far. He did it. He hazarded his life. Now, it didn't say the Lord told him to do it or he had to do it that way, but he did. Sometimes people do things they don't have to do, but it is out of a noble purpose. Their heart is right. And thank God in such cases, the Lord is merciful. He's very merciful because he knows your heart. Listen to other translation. The basic English says, because of the work of Christ, he was near to death, putting his life in danger to make your care for me complete. The 20th century says it was owing to his devotion to the master's work that he was at the point of death. I don't know what he did, but it has the idea of overwork and overexposure is the idea. He pushed himself too hard. He, he got too cold. He got too hot. He did something. I don't know. He stayed. He didn't get enough sleep. He did too much, too long, too far, and he got sick and he almost died, but he didn't. Right. <laughs> But he didn't. Now here's something else that we need to get a hold of. Even though we are called of God, we're born again. We've got the greater one inside us. We've got the name of Jesus. We've got authority in that name. We're still human. And we're still in this world. And you cannot flagrantly 
violate natural law day after day and week after week and month after month and make up for it with a couple of good confessions. Hmm? I've had the Lord tell me before, you know, I was, I was all primed to do something and, and I'm just going to stay up all night and study and get this done. He said, go to sleep. Go to sleep. Yeah, but Lord, I don't have this yet. He said, I said, go to sleep. Now at this point, if I stayed up and studied, which seems to be a good thing, I'd be being rebellious and disobedient. Do you hear this? And a lot of people working hard for the Lord. It's why it's a confusing thing to people on the outside. Because they don't realize, well man, that person is the first one there. They're the last one to go. And they always do this. And they don't realize they're rebellious. The Lord's told them to do something else and they won't do it. He told them to rest. And they won't do it. They think it's okay because they're working for the Lord. Rebellion is not okay. You're human. You break natural laws over and over and over again. And the Lord didn't even tell you to do that. It's going to cost you. And you may not rest. Now. But you will. In the hospital. Or in the grave. But it'll it'll come. And you'll run out of gas. And you'll fall. In order to burn out. In the ministry. You have to be disobedient. Did you hear me? Because God is not a harsh, cruel taskmaster. He does not push you until you fall and then kick you and say, get up, boy. There's work to be done. That is not him. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. Preachers for years have had these unscriptural sayings like, well, I'd rather burn out than rust out. Lord didn't tell you to do either one. And yeah, you can burn the candle at both ends and you can push to the limit and pass the envelope and you can get some things done and more things that others done and die young and leave early and think you did a lot not realizing what you could have done in that extra 10 or 15 years had you kept going and paced yourself and rested like he told you to. Are you with me, friends? This is not a sprint. This race is not a dash. It is not this race. Tell me what kind of race this is. This is a marathon. Life, our course in Jesus, is a marathon. You need to set your... How many of you can't run a marathon like you're running a dash? You can't do it. And you're going to burn out. You're, going to, you're not going to finish the race. You're going to fall off the side... Before you get to the finish line. You need to make up your mind. I am in this thing for the long haul. I'm a lifer. (laughs) And you got to set your pace. And you got to realize some things. There will be another day. Some things there will be another week. There will be another. You know. I need to think about long term on this deal. Not sacrifice my long term. For some short term gains. Hmm. I'm your pastor. You rather me burn up the skies and hit everything like a house of fire for a few years or stay with you for another 10, 20, 30? Huh? Which is going to be more valuable? Because think about it. Should I be developing and maturing 
as 5, 10, 15, 20 years, 30 years. And instead of just getting more volume of what you got right now, would it be better to get that higher quality, that more important, that greater revelation, that stronger thing in 20 years, 30 years, 40 years? Do you hear this? That means you got to stay around. You got to think long term. So Epi had a good heart. He meant well. He was willing to burn it up for Jesus. Wasn't he? I mean, (laughs) you can't keep your foot on the floor in your car all the time. (laughs) Especially as your car gets older. (laughs) You know who I learned that from? Brother Hagin. He actually told me that personally in the speaker's room one time. We're sitting before the service started. He starts talking. He, he said, you know, he was 80. He said, you know, you got your brand new car. He said, you can run that thing 100 miles an hour. You can run that thing 120 from here to Oklahoma City, which is you know, a couple hours from Tulsa. He said, but you get your old jalopy, it's got 150,000 miles on it. You've been running for 20 some years. He said, you do that? If you make it, it'll be shot. You can't do that. And he started talking about getting older. Well, these bodies are accumulating mileage. We don't like to think about it. We don't like to say And we don't have to wear out. and We don't have to be incapacitated. But when you're 85... It's not the same as when you're 25. That's just a fact. Hmm? Just a fact. Your youth can be renewed, but you are aging. You're not going to change that. You are aging. And so you need to have some sense. And not try to run with your foot on the floorboard all the time. I'm going to get there fast. I'm going to do that fast. Yeah, well, we'd like for you to be around and still running next year and 10 years from now. So back off and set a pace and think long term and learn how to rest. Somebody say learn how to rest. There is a time to push and there is a time not to push. You with me, friends? There is a time, I mean, to stay up night and day and get her done. And you'll feel it, but the Lord will grace you and you'll be okay. And there are other times that if you do that, you are being disobedient. And it will take a toll on your body that's going to cost you more than you want to pay. Because the Lord didn't tell you to do that. You're just doing it because you're a three-phone fax machine going texting machine you are a mover and a shaker while other people are talking you walking yeah but what are you getting done what are you getting done what's the quality of it and if you're not here you know yeah you pushed hard and you got some stuff done but what about all those years you're not here can it compensate for that can it make up for that I want to run my entire race. How about you? Life is short enough as it is without me leaving early. 
Are you leaving early? And I know it's better to go home and be with the Lord than to be here, but we'll be there soon enough. I got a job to do. You got a job to do. Let's don't leave early. Let's don't leave things undone. Say it out loud. I am going the whole way. I'm going to run my entire race. I'm going to finish my course with long life. He will satisfy me and show me his salvation. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Somebody say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now, if you're going to do that, you've got to learn to rest. Faith is a rest. I, uh, in the early years of being in the healing ministry... I became interested in longevity because I saw it was a promise of God. And you see, a few people will live a long time, and most people don't live that long at all. And I began to be interested, why? Because I know there's reasons why. And I began to study it in earnest. And, and for years, I was saving clippings and looking up verses and looking, and looking up words and commentaries. It was a hobby of mine, kind of. And you know the conclusion I came to? Is this is not the whole thing, but uh, the main thing is not diet. It's not exercise. Now that, those are important. I'm not, I'm not saying they're not important, but there are people that are exercise and, and diet fanatics that die in their twenties and thirties. So that's not all there is to it. <laughs> I know this one fellow was 113, and they were interviewing him, and they say, uh, "Do you have any advice? You know how to live a long time?" He said, yes, trust God, just trust God. He said, Ann, I have always smoked Prince Albert tobacco. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Wasn't his perfect diet. Regimen. <laughs> and I'm not saying that's good for you, but I'm. There's. People emphasize a couple of factors and miss the biggest ones. I believe I have found a common denominator. And what will actually cut your life short, make you old, and make you dead before your time. And it is stress. Stress is a killer. Stress will absolutely destroy your nerves, your blood, your immune. It will age you visibly in months and years. You can see the difference. And yet we were talking about this in the beginning of the service. We've come full circle, haven't we? And people say, well, it's because of my, I know it, I know it, it's my stressful life, it's my stressful thing, i got to get out of it. That's not it. The stress is not the result of what's around you. Like we said, you could be on a deserted island, just you, and you could be stressed out because you're out there by yourself. All these people are driving me nuts. I don't have any people to drive me up. You you can be just as stressed, equally stressed. In either situation. 
And it's sad because you see people leaving occupations. God put them in because it was just too much stress. Leaving marriages that God put them in. Well, that just causing me too much. stressing me out. And I can't take it. No. They were not the problem. The job was not the problem. The problem is you. Your response to it. Always upset about something. That's your fault. That you're always upset. Yeah, but they did. And they said, no, 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 honey. That's your fault. That you're responding to it by being stressed out when you could be in faith. You could respond in faith. The faith is a rest. Go to the zoo. Go to the zoo. And look at the lion. And then go over to where the crocodile is. When that lion's bones are bleached in dust, that croc will still be out there. (laughs) These totally wired, multitasking, caffeine-enabled generation are dying like flies before their time. You can join them. You can be one of them. Now you can get up in the morning and you can do it croc style. Here you go. Glory to God. <laughs> And when your when your flesh is doing this, you make yourself say it slower. Glory to and your flesh is going. I can't stand this. You say, shut up, shut up. You sit down and you be still, because that's nothing but flesh. Gotta get up. Gotta go. Gotta eat now. Gotta go now. Gotta dress this way. Gotta do this way. Got my schedule. Gotta 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 gotta. You'll be so, there are many voices in the world and they are buzzing your head and you will miss God right and left and you will undo your immune system and you'll make your brain old and your face old and you'll miss God right and left and then you'll panic about that and then you'll be scared and you'll get upset and you'll cry and be mad about that and that'll age you even more. Are y'all with me friends? I'm not talking about sinners. I'm talking about church going people. I'm talking about preachers. Why are Christians and preachers sick? And why do they wear out before their time? And why do they die young and before their time? Exactly the same reasons that sinners are dying young before their time. Because they're doing the same things that unbelievers are. Full of worry. Full of anxiety. Full of fear. Listen to me friends. For the child of God, worry is contraband. It is absolutely illegal for us to have it. God commanded us, be careful for nothing. Cast all your cares 
over on him. Take no thought. Didn't he say it? Didn't he say it? Didn't say try to do it. He said do it. Didn't he? Are most Christians doing that? No, they're not. They're worrying, fretting, pacing, losing sleep, pulling their hair, and your body can't handle that. Your body was not designed. Your organs, your glands, your blood, your nerves, your brain was not designed to handle that. That's why he, when God tells you don't do something, he's not trying to spoil your fun. He's telling you, you can't do it. How many know you cannot take a Mercedes car, sedan, and use it for a four-wheel drive out in the swamp in Louisiana? (laughs) I'm going to go hunting in my Lexus sedan. (laughs) You're going to tear it up. You're using it for something it was not made for. Your body, my body, our brains, our mind was not designed for worry and fear. It'll kill you. It'll kill you slowly. It'll kill you quickly. But it'll kill you. Not might. It will. You're concerned about uh, carcinogens. You're concerned about secondhand smoke. You're concerned about certain kinds of fat. You ought to be concerned more about this than any of that. Because that'll kill you quicker and more. Completely than that. Because dying is more, more than one way to die. Die in your soul. Die in your mind. You can die before you're dead. Walking dead. Do what the Lord tells you in diet and exercise. I'm not belittling that. Yeah, it makes a difference. But it's just a couple of factors in the whole thing. The biggest thing is they that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. And they'll mount up with wings. Like other people are toiling and fussing and fretting, and you're just resting in the Lord. You are riding on His ability. You are leaning on, you are letting Him carry you and buoy you up. And you cannot rush around and dash around and have that happen. You have to wait. You have to be still and know that He is God. You have to get your mind quiet, your head quiet, your soul quiet, your body. We got, we got too much junk going on. We got the TV blaring and the internet blaring and radios blaring and we got stuff in our ears and our eyes 24-7. It doesn't work. You can't be still and know He's God. We need to turn some stuff off. We need to flip some switches. Did you hear me, friends? Off. Not low. Off, off. And if you're, if you're used to this buzzed, wired generation, then for the first few days you'll be having withdrawals. You'll be going. <laughs> but you need to do it until you don't hear anything. And then you'll start to hear him. You remember Elijah came out and he said, man, there was a storm and, and there was a, he, and God wasn't in that. And there was this huge wind and all this stuff and this noise and God wasn't in that. And then there was a still, small voice. And that was him. That was him. Stand up on your feet, everybody. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website 
at morelife.org.